Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Happy Friday night, happy end of the week. We are here to run it down with some Trek fun. I am one of your hosts. I'm Steph Manns. I am the other one of your hosts. I am Aki Burmese. <laughs> and this is Set Phasers. <laughs> yes, it is. We did not plan that naturally. No. That's why it's such a disaster. <laughs> no, that's why it's so beautiful. <laughs> pure. It's so it's live. Pure. It's so pure. Yep. Yes, uh, you're listening to Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. It is Stardate 31120.8. And today we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 6, entitled Scavengers. Oh, I might have to, to do some after effects with some reverb for that. That sounded good. That sounded good. Yeah. Okay, well, you know, note to self. Note to self. Uh, whenever I say scavengers, say it like that. Okay. Except not just not not just now when I said it. Not when you said scavengers, but when you say scavengers. But when I say scavengers. Noted. Uh, I don't really have that. Okay, well, that's not neither here nor there. How are you doing, Steph? I'm doing well, thank you. What a great episode we had with Discovery this week. Yes, this was, I don't know how you would describe it, because at first I thought, was this a Michael episode? Was it a Michael and Book episode? Was it a classic Trek episode? Yeah, it was sort of a Giorgio episode, too. Yeah. Do you know what? There was so much to unpack. I think I needed a closet. Steph, mm-hmm. you have outdone yourself. Thank so you. droll. I worked on that all day. So much unpack. I think I needed a closet. So wonderful. <laughs> okay, well, I guess we should run it down because there is a lot to unpack. It's time to run it down. Can you run it down for me? What just happened? Can you run it down for me? As I take my final sip from this beautiful set phasers mug, which you can get in our merchandise store. If we we had one, yes, you could. I mean, if you want one. You could get one. Just email us at setphaserspodcast at gmail.com. Yeah, you know what? It's couture. You can get one. It's it's not Pret-a-Porter. Forget that nonsense. These are so exclusive. Mm -hmm. They're they're like not on the market. Like they're super exclusive. If you want to get in at the ground floor Mm -hmm. of set phasers, you can email us at setphaserspodcast at gmail.com. And get yourself either a mug that just says set phasers or a mug that has our faces on it. <laughs> yes, it looks something like uh, this this cover here. Uh, in fact, you can see Aki's. Aki, hold it up for the people, will you? Oh, I was trying to hold the face. Okay, yeah, set phasers. Oh, yes, and your one doesn't have the face on it. The other one has no, our faces on it. It just says highly. Because Aki yeah, wouldn't have up. one with our face on it. I didn't want to be drinking out of my own head. I'm not Lord Byron. <laughs> or Lorca. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> season three, episode six, Scavengers. Well, we begin with Discovery getting a retrofit, gets a bunch of cool stuff from the 30th, the the 30th, the 30th century. I don't know what you call it. 930 years in the future. They get retrofitted with programmable matter. Mm, that looks cool. It's super cool. So their, their nacelles can detach 
And there's a moment later where we get to see what programmable matter does when Bookship does that crazy thing at the end. But I was like, whoa. Um, and the crew get all new badges that also act as hand terminals, that also act as personal transporters. It's dope. <laughs> Although uh, Detmer does seem a little um, un- not super happy with things being so futuristic, but we can come to that. Lots of change for Detmer. Change, yeah. You know, the times they are. Changing. Changing. Is that the right song? Sure, I'll take it. Sure. There's plenty of songs with change in them. So Saru is basically going over how that's happening. And then he's in on the like, I'm going to call it the high council meeting. It's sort of like the admiral and all the captains, I guess. And they're talking about their assignments. And so that he finds out sort of what Starfleet does. And it's not like a super glorious, you know, five-year missions or go save these bad boys. It's like one person has to go deliver some shields to some people whose the sun is too hot. Another person needs to help them another place with broken replicator parts. There's like a supply run and all of these because dilithium is so scarce and and things are so far apart and there's no real warp, I guess. Uh, it takes like weeks to do these things, which totally makes sense because we're talking about astronomical distances. But so it's like the supply run is like, great, I'll see you in two months. Thank you, Captain. That's just insane for Starfleet. Also, there's no subspace, so you can't really communicate over long distances immediately. Anyway, that's what Starfleet's up to. And Saru's kind of like, you know, Discovery could do all those things in a day. You know what I mean? But, uh, I mean, you can say it like that, but that's how I felt about it. I was like, we need these guys for, but apparently they're keeping Discovery in dock because there's a situation going on at the planet Argeth, the Emerald Chain, the Orion, um, and Dorian syndicate. The, uh, Emerald Chain. Yes. The Emerald Chain is up to no good around Argeth. And apparently there's uh, there's some negotiations going on, but if things go south, they need Disco to be able to jump there immediately and kind of take care of Binna. So the Admiral's like, Saru, I need you to keep everything on track and be ready to jump anytime in the next 12 hours it could happen. Saru's like, yes, sir. Um, so... Meanwhile, on the ship, while the crew is checking all of their new cool stuff on the bridge, they get hailed by an unknown ship. And when they bring it up on comms, I think Nilsson is in, has the con at that point. When they bring it up on comms, it is none other than everybody's favorite space cat, Grudge. Grudge. And uh, Tilly recognizes Grudge, and apparently, so Book left a message for Michael. And the message is basically that he was on his way to the Bajoran Exchange. Uh, when he saw that there was a person next to him talking about a black box and that he knew where he'd get a black box. It's on the planet Hunhow. How Hun? I wrote it down in pencil and I can't see it now. I think it's Hunhow. Okay. And so um, he's like, I'm going to go try and get it. And if I don't get back on the ship in 24 hours, the ship and grudge will come and find you and I'll come to you later. But Michael's like, oh, no, absolutely not. I'm going to go get that black box. And I think also maybe she wants to go find book as she wants well. She to get book. You know, whatever. She's, she's mm-hmm. trying to play it cool. She's like, oh, yeah, the black boxes, because she has two other ones. Apparently, they record information just like black boxes do here on Earth in planes. And they would record up to the like millisecond that the burn happened if you could get your hands on these. And if it all happened at exactly the same time, they would all cut off at the same time. But the two that she has do not cut off at the same time, meaning were they to get a third Somebody get Pythagoras on the phone. They'd be able to triangulate a source for these things. I'm sorry. I'm shouting. I got excited about triangulation. 
but it's cool stuff. Um, so she really wants to, she really wants to go find this black box. And Saru says they can't because they're on standby. They got to stand by in case this Emerald chain business on Argath goes south. And he tells Michael, get the crew ready and be ready for the next 12 hours. And Michael says, okay, sir. And then she immediately goes and finds Giorgio. And she's like, Hey, we're going to disobey a direct order. You're the only person I know that I could trust and who would know what to do to go on an unsanctioned mission. And Giorgio's like, you know what you're doing here? Cause you're not dumb enough to think that this is okay. And Michael says, I'd rather regret something I did than something I didn't. And then Giorgio kind of stalks away. And then Michael says, Hey, are you going to go? And then Giorgio uh, says something that Steph thinks is, would you say the greatest disco quote of all time? I think so. Or definitely the greatest Giorgio quote. I just, I don't know why I love it so much. I just do. Is it because it's a mashup of, of Star Trek and Jerry Maguire? Yes, probably. <laughs> That's why when you texted it to me, I was like, first of all, when I heard it, I was, Steph's going to like this. <laughs> and then when you texted me, you're like, this is the best quote of all time. And I was like, you know what? Ain't nothing wrong with that. Just the delivery was just so good. The delivery was so good. Yeah. Um, okay. So Michael and Giorgio hop on book ship. They go to Hunhau. Oh, I wrote it in pen here, which is an M-class planet. And um, Giorgio mentions to Michael that she's like, duh, you're so into book. Um, and she calls book the blob whisperer. Uh, and Michael says that she's not into book. She's like, I, it's not like I lived here or anything. I had my own chip. And instead of saying live, she says, love, little Freudian slip. And anyway, as they're about to confront that situation, they arrive. Um, oh, no, no. Before they do that, Giorgio has one of her episodes again. Because um, Michael stalks off and Giorgio has like goes into her thing. So we see these like images of Giorgio mm. or things that she remembers. And what I wrote down is what I could find. There's blood on hands. Yep. Someone obviously lying, possibly dead. She says the name. I don't think it was her. Like it wasn't like a sort of no, flashback because I, I was thinking maybe it's like a flashback of mirror Giorgio, like prime Giorgio. Yeah, right. Somehow. That that could be it. But it, yeah. Blood on there. Yeah. But then, oh, but then there is a, an empire sigil or uh, whatever the, her big empire was called. She was the emperor. Yeah. Let's call it an empire. So I think it was the empire. Oh, the Terran empire. Terran empire. There was an emperor, empire sig, sig, sigil. And she says the name San, mm. which I racked my brain but couldn't remember anyone like that in the mirror universe episodes anyway and there's also like um maybe in the next one or the first one there's like a little silhouette of michael it happened super fast michael with the old hair oh yeah was it so, she, i don't know now this is a crazy theory this is some tinfoil theory it wasn't like a michael son curious it's the only thing i got listen you know i don't turn down any crazy theory i love mm. them all uh, okay, so anyway, she has an episode when Michael approaches her to be like, hey, what's up? Because it's like the episode you had at the end of the last episode. Uh, that's when they arrive at Hunhau. And they are hailed by the Andorian running the place, whose name is Tolor. But uh, it's like an avatar, and Giorgio basically handles him. He's not an Andorian. Oh, I'm sorry. What did I just say? You said Andorian. I meant the other one. Yes, I know. And then I couldn't remember what they were called. Now it's gone from my head. It's, this is like the Vulcan salute all over again. The green, the green guy. Orion. Thank you. Orion. Orion. Oh, God. That would have been brutal. <laughs> Imagine if we had to Google that. We would have lost all of our nerd cred. Okay. He's an Orion. And uh, he's uh, talking to her and Giorgio's kind of handling him as only Giorgio can. My favorite part of that is when she's, he's stammering and she shouts, form a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so badass. That was great. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
anyway, she manages to bully him into letting them land by saying he has dilithium and, you know, all the stuff that Georgia does. And in the meantime, Michael has like reverse engineered Grudge's collar because Book always carries the tracker for Grudge on him. So she's using it to track Book. Uh, meanwhile, Tilly finds Grudge in the shared room she has with Michael. And she realizes that Michael is not on board and neither is Book's ship. Uh, but also Tilly is not a cat person and Grudge goes and hides under Tilly's bed. Mm. But maybe Grudge is a Tilly person. Everything about that? Maybe. Okay, so Michael and Giorgio meet Tolor. Oh, 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 but I love the moment where Tilly was like, where's where's Michael? And the computer goes, Michael is not on board. And then she says to Grudge, did you eat her? That was cute. Oh, yeah, that was great. I like that. Yes. And then Grudge crawls on her back. It was great. Yeah, it was a very great. wonderful scene. I don't it's like just, you. It's, yeah, it's the... Uh, it's like the opening scene in The Godfather, but with Tilly <laughs> and Grudge. Anyway, uh, Michael and Giorgio meet Tolor once they land on the ground. We find out that Tolor is the nephew of Osira, who runs the Emerald Chain. And uh, basically, they have all these people working in this salvage yard, basically as slaves, because he says they work for them forever. They all owe Osira something. So the plan is basically Giorgio distracts Tolor while Michael searches with her reverse engineer thing to find Book and eventually they they do find Book a part that I did enjoy I don't know if this is like inside baseball but Michael says that what Giorgio is looking for is uh, self-stealing stem bolts <laughs> which uh, is a reference to a ridiculous thing that people are always searching for on Star Trek maybe specifically there's an episode of self-stealing stem, stem bolts on Deep Space Nine involving uh, Miles O'Brien. was one of my favorite comical episodes. Okay, so back to work. Uh, Book is in the shop. He's like obviously become one of the indentured servants here. And he's basically talking. He's like, he's getting along with everybody as he does because he's Book and he's super suave and got so much charisma. Uh, so he's friendly with uh, a Bajoran guy there whose name I've forgotten because he's going to be dead in yeah, like 40 seconds. He died. And he, be, yeah, he died. And um, an Andorian, mm. I think I said the right thing that time, who with no antennae, whose name we find out later is Rin. Uh, so we just kind of see him doing all that. And then Michael sees Book and Book sees Michael and their eyes meet across a room, flash like lightning. And this would be a great place for my book song, but I didn't have time to finish writing it. But let me tell you, it is a masterpiece. Waiting to happen. And it's a masterpiece waiting to happen. And also, Book never took his shirt off in this episode. So I feel like we should wait. <laughs> anyway, I mean, it's, it can't be long before he takes his shirt off again, right? It's going to happen. Gonna He's happen. taking it off in every other episode he showed up on. They must have cut it out for time. <laughs> I thought for sure he was going to show up on the ship. Yeah, that scene at the end where like they're running and you're like, surely his, his shirt must get ripped from like a stray phaser. But, right. you know. I thought maybe he, to save Rin, he would like rip his shirt off and like and tourniquet. Tie, tourniquet. Yeah. <laughs> yes. And In I your been here for dreams. It. Well, yes, definitely. Anyway, so Book and Michael see each other. And so they make the Bajoran that we met run for the fence, basically. They're like, we need to test to see if the things work anymore. And so he runs for the fence. All the indentured servants have like a little thing like a tracker on their neck when he gets through the fence it blows his head up c'est la vie uh so meanwhile back on and on discovery i almost said enterprise meanwhile back on discovery adira is working in the lab and she's talking to gray uh the 
the boy not ex dead still boyfriend avatar former host of symbiont might still exist who knows and Gray's basically telling Adira that Adira needs to make some friends. And Adira's just been working. But then Stamets shows up and he's he's typical cranky Stamets. But then Adira shows him um, improvements to the interface that she's made. And uh, it's pretty sick. Instead of like having to put the things in his arms, he has now like a nanogel he can slide his hands into. And it acts as a quantum transducer, whatever that means. And then also when he takes his hands out, no gel on his hands. It comes right off. And Stamets actually thanks Adira. That mm-hmm. was, I almost fell out of my chair. Uh, okay. So, oh, I should mention, because it's important, that when the crew is on the ship getting their new badges, Linus shows up by accident because he hasn't quite figured out how to use the self-transporter. Mm. And here in uh, engineering, he also shows up and interrupts the conversation, meaning to transport somewhere else. So that's why uh, Linus is having trouble with his his transporter. And I'm sure that won't have any bearing on any Probably significant no, moments later. But right? no, why sure. not? Anyway, Giorgio continues to distract Tolor, meanwhile, on Hunhow. And Michael and Book manage to get away and talk in the back room. And Book is like, you got to get out of here. I didn't think you would come for me. And Michael's like, of course I was going to come for you. I wouldn't let you leave here. And Book's like, I got the black box. It's in my room. All you have to do is get it. And then Michael's like, we're going to get everyone off this planet. And I have a plan. So... Um, Michael pretends that she's found what she needs, but she's like, I need 40 minutes to clean it up. Uh, and Giorgio says, okay. And then Tolor is busy doing other stuff. So he says, put a drone on them to watch them while they work. And they are working. Uh, and I'll just briefly go back to disco because while this is happening, Tilly is holding it down in engineering. Did you see that scene where she's just like, you do this, you do that, you do this, boom, 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 boom. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and Saru shows up to get advice, basically, from Tilly, uh, which, you know, is a dynamic that I love. But basically, Saru is, like, mistrusting of Michael, and he feels weird about it. And Tilly's like, look, she put you in an awkward position. I love Michael more than anyone else in the universe, but you have to tell the Admiral that she's gone, because if he hears about it from someone else, it's going to reflect badly on the whole crew. So, that's what Saru decides to do. Uh, and... Michael and Giorgio, meanwhile, they attack the drone. Then Giorgio uses the spare parts that Michael found from all the the salvage stuff there to make some sort of weapon, which after she says, I love me, uh, Book and Rin alert the rest of the prisoners that a break is about to happen, right? Uh, Tolor and the henches find Giorgio and Michael before they're able to enact their plan, we think, and they take them back to Book's ship where they find 30 units of pure dilithium. Meanwhile, Book and the prisoners make a break for the yard and for the fence because that was the plan. Tolor and uh, his people are fighting Michael and Giorgio on the ship, and Giorgio and Michael are trying to get the controls for the fence so they can open the fence so the prisoners can run away so they can get on the ship so that everyone can make a break for it, right? But as they're having a fight and getting the upper hand and Giorgio has her weapon in hand and is about to take out Tolor, she has another episode. And, and she sees basically the same things. I didn't write down anything new in that episode. So it's still just a confusing mishmash of memory. And shouting of the name Sam. I have not been able to use that for a while. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, also, I noticed that in that second one, we get a, um, we see Giorgio. Do we? In that, that episode, yes. But she doesn't have like any regal. She looks very like plainly dressed, like no re- no regality to her face on that one. I must have missed yeah. that. It must have been really quick. Well, you know, I'm a big nerd. Yeah, you are. 
Thank you. So uh, the prisoners are waiting for the fence to come down. It's not coming down because Giorgio is having an episode and Michael is basically having to fight Tolarol on her own. And she's like, you got to get the thing, get the thing, get the thing. Anyway, Giorgio gets it back together in time to knock out Tolor and grab the controls. But then Tolor is able to teleport away. But they get the fence down and the prisoners make a break for it. Rin and Book are together. But then Rin takes a direct phaser blast for Book as Book is trying to help people. And so Book stays behind with Rin. He's like, stay with me, stay with me. You know, all that business. Michael and Giorgio use Book's ship to attack the compound. Hold on. Someone's... Someone trying to get my attention downstairs. Someone's impatient. Is is that your date coming to pick you up on a Friday? That's right. I told them to honk the horn and then rev the engine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it's it's literally someone waiting for a parking spot impatiently. Ah, <sighs> <sighs> New York is a wonderful place. Okay, so. They get book ship and they attack the compound. And that's when the super cool thing happens with book ship, which I don't think we knew about per se. We've seen it take some different shapes, but like the whole thing comes apart into like six different parts with the programmable matter kind of connecting in like a weird web. And then it comes back together facing the other direction and they shoot the compound. Anyway, I hope discovery can do cool stuff like that. Um, Cause that would be dope. And, uh, they are able to basically hold off the forces of Tolor. They're able to transport Book and Rin up to the ship. So they're able to save Rin in time. Because I'll tell you what. We only saw Rin. He only spoke like three or four times. But he was tugging up my heartstrings. Mm. I like uh, I like a scruffy Andorian who's been through a lot. Apparently he had been the former. Little beard. Yeah, a little, little blonde little beard. beard. Yeah, and he had his antennae cut off because he used he tried to lead uh, the people against Osira before, and his punishment he had his antenna cut off, and was made sort of like the foreman, and so everyone hated him there. But he still, you know, Book still believes in him. Anyway, if he had died, we would have faced the hearted. I don't care if he'd only been in one episode. He's no red shirt to me. He's Rin. Okay, so uh, uh, Michael gets the black box from Book. Giorgio oh, and Michael have a hand moment and they had a little hand hold. They had a little hand hold. Yeah. Yes. But I mean, they're going to have a little, something, gonna, something a little extra later. I mean, come on, you know, uh, hamburger, hamburger. So Michael also approaches Giorgio and is like, what is going on with you? And Giorgio's like, oh, this thing has been happening. It's been getting worse for the last three weeks, but I'm not going to ask anyone for help. You can't help me. Don't touch me. <laughs> and Michael's like, oh, I wish I could. And Giorgio's like, no, get away from me. I can't show weakness. And Michael's like, I wish you could. But then she walks away. Meanwhile, Stamets and Adira have lunch together, basically. And uh, Adira finally explains to someone that uh, she is seeing Gray all the time and they have conversations. And Stamets is one of the few people on board who could totally be down with that because, of course, you remember that his husband Hugh was killed by Ash Tyler when he had been activated as a Manchurian candidate turned into Vogue in season one. And so he's like, I've been in love with someone who was dead, who I didn't think was gone and who would come back. And so he's like, I totally get it. And then he and Adira and Gray hit it off. And Adira's like, I can help you with the implants. And she takes them out. And then Stamus goes home and he and Hugh have a little pillow talk. Not really pillow talk, but they're talking. And uh, basically it's sort of like about, you know, Stamus finally maybe is, you know, starting to feel like, I don't know, he's he's having a real personal connection with Adira. And, and they both think it's good. Uh, Rin, meanwhile, is able to get to sickbay and he's stable and he'll make it, but he's out of it. Michael and Book get into a turbo lift and they're headed up to what I can only assume is the bridge. 
and they, you know, book walks over and he hits stop on the, on the turbo lift. And he's like, Michael, I want to thank you for saving my life. And Michael's like, of course, I would have saved your life a thousand times. And then they get real close and they're looking into each other's eyes. And, and then she puts her hand on the back of book's neck where the scar from the, the like indentured servitude thing is. And they're like putting their faces together. And then Linus shows up because he's having trouble with the transporter. Oops. He's like, this is not the mess hall. And he's like, all right, goodbye. So the moment is ruined. Or is it? Because they go right back to making out once Linus is gone. Oh, uh, yeah. I maybe need some romantic music. Do I'll get my Al Green stuff out again. Okay, meow, yeah. Meow, meow. Yeah. Love and happiness. It'll make you do wrong, Michael, but it'll make you do right. Uh, okay, so uh, the final scene is Saru and Michael getting chewed out by the Admiral, essentially. But I thought this was very well balanced because even in the beginning, when Michael mentioned this, what book had caught on to, I was like, why didn't Saru immediately tell the Admiral this and say, like, here's another thing that maybe you should think about. I know the Admiral has a lot on his plate, but I thought it was interesting the captain didn't even go, we should let, you know, normally it would be, we should let Starfleet Command know about this or something. But in any case, the Admiral's like, you should have mentioned it to me because maybe it, it was, it's, this could be valuable intelligence no matter what was going on with the Admiral Chain on Argath. But then he also tells Michael, you were insubordinate. You made your captain look bad. You made Starfleet look bad. You could put all of us in a terrible condition. And uh, you, you're very fortunate that it didn't, everything didn't hit the fan this time. But he leaves it up to Saru to decide what kind of disciplinary measures to take. And Saru, though it is hard for him, demotes Michael from first officer. She will now be chief science officer only. And then uh, Michael says, you did the right thing. And Saru says, one day we'll find out everything that we want to find out. Unspoken, he says, not today. And at the very end, Michael removes the badge, her Starfleet badge, and she looks at it. And that is the end of episode six of season three, Star Trek Discovery. Scavenger. Okay. What do you want to talk about? You know, I have my tinfoil list, of course. Oh, all right. Let's have a look. What's on your tinfoil list? All right. Let's all have right. a look. I think mostly all I've right. written down some of my favorite quotes, so I shall save those. So what are your tinfoil moments? Great. I'll do the tinfoil list. Okay. So first of all... Tinfoil time. Tinfoil time. I love Rin, and he's great. And I think that he's probably going to have some kind of big... Oh, it's a good one. Yeah, who? Oh, Cindy, you read my mind. That was number three on my list. Who will be the new number one? Will it be someone like significant that we like no no, or will it be someone like that we don't know? Will it be Nilsson? It's got to be someone often, at that level, hasn't often it? Often has the con. It's yeah, it has to be someone at command level, yeah. a lieutenant commander or commander. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> like it won't be Stamets. He would be an awful number one. Nilsson, because he keeps giving the con to Nilsson. I feel like it could be Nilsson. Um, yeah, can't be Detmer or, or uh, Oshikun. I, yeah, I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say Nilsson. Mm -hmm. Unless they, you know, because also uh, Nan is gone. I think Nan would have been a good number that one. That is true. Nan's out. Um, Conrad's saying Tilly. I think Tilly might be too junior. That's my only concern. I love, I would love yeah. it, but I'm, I'm not sure he would do it. Unless he promoted her. It would be exceptional. But yeah, because Tilly would be a great number one. And she is bridge crew. Mm. She is bridge crew. She's she's often on the bridge. 
as, a, as like a science officer. Not quite sure what she does there. She's not chief science or communications or whatever. Yeah, that would be interesting. It would be a real leapfrog because I still I think she's still very young, mm. right? We don't because Adira is like sixteen, but I feel like Tilly was sixteen or seventeen when we first meet Tilly nah, in season one. You think we never really knew? Yeah. Because she was there. I remember something about Tilly being like well, the youngest person to complete a thing. And she's like a cadet, essentially. I feel like she would have been like 18, maybe. Sure. Let's go. With, I'll, go I'll go. I can't imagine. Because yeah. they don't reference her being a teenager. I thought that they did, did they? in the first season. But no, maybe I'm wrong. I could be wrong. Right, I'll trust you. But let's, she's not older than 21. Yes, you know what I mean? Exactly. Uh, okay, so I don't know. That would be great. Anyway, so that was number three. I don't know who the new number one will be, but I hope it's going to be great. I would love to see Michael taking orders from Tilly. I think that would be a very interesting dynamic. But is, now see, is Michael going to stay on Discovery or is she going to go with Brooke and do things? Or is she just demoted and that's she's like she's not going anywhere? I don't think she's going to leave Discovery. I was worried about that for the first couple episodes, but I think she does view, she's beginning to view them as family. And I think she's going to stick around to to help figure out what happened with the burn because she can't do it on her own with with book, mm. even though they're in love. Oh, yeah, because, you know, she's also worried about Georgia. She's sticking around for a bit. She has eschewed herself of any real responsibility by being in insub- so recklessly insubordinate so quickly. But I don't know. We'll see. I think it might be a little bit of a yo-yo kind of thing. She might go away for a while. And at some point in the in the season, yeah, yeah, Nilsson has had the con at least two or three times uh, in this season alone, and I think she's the newest member of the bridge crew. Yeah, she replaced she's new. Uh, she replaced Arium. Okay, so um, my second thing was Michael's loyalties versus Saru's caution because I was thinking together they would make a great captain, uh, but it's just. It's so weird. I don't think they can be number one and captain. Mm. If like if this episode had happened and Michael had been the captain, it would have been just a great swashbuckling episode where she was like, Mr. Saru, you have the con. And she goes off to do a thing, you know, which Picard did every once in a while. You know, it was very Kirky in what she did. She was like, right. So Kirky. So Kirky. Yeah. She's like, Spock, let's go. You know, Mm. but her Spock is evil is, is not a logic. Her Spock is the opposite. A complete hedonist. Uh, Yes, it was very Kirkian, which I enjoyed about it. I enjoyed about it even as my heart breaks because I do want her to sort of, I want the band to be back together and things to finally work out. But what would be the point of watching the show if they were just like, yeah, great, cool, cool, going to follow orders, mm-hmm. whatever. Not in love with book. Um, okay, so Giorgio's memories obviously are, are curious. You're saying maybe it's Michael Son. <clears throat> that could be possible. That was a guess. I'm not sure. I feel like yeah. that's I'm it's wondering. Bit, you. No, it's probably... Um, I mean, Michelle Yeoh, I think her heritage is Chinese, so I feel like it would be yeah. wrong for it to be a Japanese thing. Yeah. The San sounds like it's a nickname for someone, mm. like maybe a diminutive. Oh, yeah, we all miss Ariam. Um, the San sounds like it would be a cool, like a child maybe, because we also don't necessarily know how Giorgio became emperor. It's not like it was um, mm. nepotistic, like Giorgio's mother or father was emperor and the, and... Giorgio inherited it. So this could be like origin story, Giorgio. Yeah. Like some sort of traumatic Where, you know, event from her past is now resurfacing for some particular reason. Yeah, which reason. led her to become, yeah, maybe we're going to get some exploration of Terran 
a Terran origin story. That could be very cool. Anyway, I thought it was interesting. And I also saw Michael in that vision, which I wrote down. So I'm wondering if Michael betrayed Giorgio in some way, uh, critically, in a way that Giorgio is now unable to reconcile with the new Michael and her new life or whatever. Anyway, I think that's going to be, there's going to be some interesting episodes delving into what's going on with Giorgio. I am wondering if it's in some way related to the investigation slash interrogation that she had. I feel like something's oh, yeah. triggering this from that conversation. For sure. And I'm like, yeah, what is going weird on with is going that? On. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, glasses. We haven't seen the last of glasses. You haven't seen the last of glasses. You can mark my words. Mm. Tinfoil hat and all. Well, glasses is coming back. Well, I didn't know who he was. Did you? This was a cameo. You mean? The actor. Yeah, the director. The director. I can't remember his name because now all I can think is Roddenberry. Uh, Cronenberg. Thank it was you. Cronenberg. Yes. Dave Cronenberg. Uh, which I, you know, maybe if I had looked harder at the guest starring credits, I would have re- recognized him when he showed up. But I liked him more as just a mysterious, weird character. And I think he's coming back. I think he has some explaining to do. Indeed. Um, yeah. Uh, thirdly, the black box. Um, you know, where are they coming from? And what will they wind up triangulating? I mean, it's an interesting theory. I like the way they're having to figure out if there's a source for the beginning of the burn. But I do feel like, I wonder if all these things are going to be connected. Giorgio's memories, the burn, um, the Orion, uh, Andorian syndicate, uh, Rin. And, oh, what I was saying is that Rin is definitely going to be, I feel like Rin is on a journey, on the hero's journey, if you will. Oh, you think? And yeah, yeah, I think he's, uh, you know, he's down in the dumps and now he's about to rise once more. I also feel like Book maybe knows that. Book has sort of seemed like he really was, like Book was only gone for what, a week, he said? Or no. I think it was a couple of months. 24 hours. 24 hours triggered the thing. Yeah, and then I don't know how long it took for the ship to get there. But they went to the colony and back in under 12 hours. So the ship was, what, four or five hours away. But he seemed like he'd been so there for ages was, in developing these relationships. I'm like, how? Well, I mean, it is book. I mean, come on. But I feel like, uh, you know, I just am curious about it. I like uh, what Cindy just said that maybe, uh, oh, yeah, Conrad. Okay, so let me, okay, we're we're talking to people watching live. But Cindy said maybe they've tried to engineer Giorgio to make her good. I think there is some sort of conflict, internal primal conflict going on with Giorgio and, and that could be something like that engineering or something like that that glasses is trying to explore like she's an experiment and then Conrad brings up that maybe the black boxes will play the melody that we've heard in the last two episodes now I don't know how many people out there have seen close encounters of the third kind but I'm telling you it's gonna be something like that one of those bomb 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 you know it's gonna open up a gate in darkness and a wormhole and out will step data or something i don't know that's not a real idea that would be terrible i would hate that if they did that and then finally uh, i believe i'm using this term correctly i have long been quote shipping for michael and book and i'm so glad they finally got together mm-hmm. oh yeah but it can't it's so early in the season yeah but they need to form this last. romance and then clearly they're not going to get like be together for a while and and we have yeah. this sort of longing for each other and the, which makes the heart grow fonder yeah. It will be a love story in the 30th century across 
the universe and whatnot. Oh, uh, quote space opera. Ah, cue Aki. Um, I think it's gonna be great. I, I feel like obviously, um, Grudge has a role to play. Maybe Grudge, who can apparently uh, hail ships, <laughs> knows at the very least how to be in front of the screen when a ship gets hailed. Mm. <clears throat> And is developing a nice relationship with Tilly. Tilly, who's very good with royalty, as you may recall from yes. uh, the queen of that planet. So po. anyway, uh, yes, Poe. Po. I was trying to remember. Queen I don't remember which po. planet, though. I've forgotten. Ooh, me too. It's in my notes. I could just rifle through these bad boys and tell you. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm glad that they're together. I'm worried they're going to be torn apart. Obviously, I want the space druid and Michael to get together and love forever. Indeed. But it's not going to happen. Thus concludes tinfoil time. Dusk and two, con, dusk and two's fintoil lamb. <laughs> That's what happens when we introduce a new segment too quickly. Yes, thus concludes tinfoil time. Beautiful. James Mason always nails it. Aki Aki's terrible, but my bad James Mason accent is... I thought James Mason was American. No, I don't think so. James Mason. Yes. James Mason. James American. Mason. James. Hardly. James Google Mason. Google it. Google it. James Mason. Oh, he, you're absolutely right. James Mason was an English actor. It's English. Yes, very English. Very, In the very days English. of... The classic golden days of... Of Hollywood, he was extremely English. James Mason. I don't, actually, I don't know. James I'm not doing an impression. So I've, I've don't. No, I don't know either. Mine is not good because I can't actually do it. But the 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 gist of there, the pathos. Mm, indeed. Yeah, there will be more grudge. Uh, okay, so that is the end of Tinfoil Time. Should we move on to quotable moments? Yes. Quotable moments. Quotable moments. <laughs> I don't know why I created a sodding. Effects for that. Mm. Do it. I know time. why, because it's great it's and I love fun. it. Uh, it's fun. Yes. I have, what do you got? Let's see. I had a couple that I thought were fun. Mm-hmm. I'll go three, two, one, as in like least favorite to do favorite. It. Oh, let's count it down. And, I, and these are my favorites. So these are the, it goes you okay. know, like in order. So mm-hmm. uh, bottom of the, the, the Q quote line. Bottom of the quote list. I don't know where it's going with that. Yes. Um, bottom of the quote bottom list. Bottom of the quote list. Uh, the Admiral would not be convinced by a cat in a ship. Oh, that was a good line. Mm. Yes. Saru to Michael mm-hmm. when she's like, can I go yeah. off and find book, please? And she's, he's like, no. Absolutely not. Absolutely There's a cat in a ship. not, no. Uh, my second favorite was, your emotional spectrum runs from cranky to homicidal. Michael to Giorgio. Mm-hmm. Love I that. I love that. Mm-hmm. Brilliant. They just have this sort of like, Love, hate, cranky intimacy that I just love. Yeah. It's beautiful. Tell us my goats. And Giorgio to Michael, when uh, Michael is asking her to come with her, um, and she's walking away and she said, Philippa, are you in? And she's like, you had me at unsanctioned mission. Yeah. Just walking away. Walking away. Yes, Giorgio had some great one-liners. Uh, obviously, I love the I love me. And... Uh, I'm trying to find the one that she says to him at the end of that conversation that I thought was so great. Oh, it's probably here because my papers are all over the place. Yes. When she's talking to Tolor for the first time and he says, 
She says, for my sentence. And he goes, uh, okay, fine. I'll let you land. Mm. And she and he says, but I'll have my eyes on you. And she says, I don't care about your eyes unless they're dangling from my belt. Mm. MVP. Giorgio MVP of this episode. Oh, totes. Totes my goats. <laughs> yes, totes my goats. Uh, well, I would move on to next time. Mm-hmm. But I feel I feel a little... I've been talking to fans of, of Star Trek. Mm-hmm. These past couple weeks, and uh, you know how I do. I like to get in there and listen to what people are saying. And I gotta say, I feel a little—I feel a little rant coming on. I mean, is that people, so? I mean, I don't want to put us in a corner, but I think it's time to head to Kapla Corner. Kapla, Kapla to you, sir. Enjoy. Well, yes. Okay, listen up, Patox. Here's the deal: people have been writing to me because you know I like to get messages about Star Trek in there. I got a lot of people coming around on a lot of people who were like, oh, I don't like Star Trek. The discovery is too dark, too sad. But now they're like, oh, you know, this this season's pretty good. But I don't like uh, how much Michael cries. Everyone's crying. Everyone, every episode, someone's got to cry and there's hugging and crying. Here's the thing you got to understand, people. Like all great franchises, Discovery is taking the bleeding edge of the genre and moving it forward. It's not going to be the same show that it was in 1963. It's not going to be the same show that it was in 1989. It's not going to be a show from the 90s, okay? There have been great sci-fi programs that have existed in the last 15 or 20 years. We're talking about your Fireflies, your uh, Battlestar Galacticas, your Westworlds, your The Man in High Castle, your Stargate bajillion to bajillion, okay? And each of these has not only have the, like, Special effects gotten better, but also the acting has gotten better. The writing has gotten better. It's not just about like cowboys jumping in a ship and flying all over the place and sleeping with the hot girl and then going home. These are shows that are meant to expose us to what it is to be sentient, what it is to be alive, what we could call human, but is in fact, you know, sort of this pan humanoid existence. So like, listen, if you if you don't like great television, if you want your TV to be as good as it was in the 80s, if you love watching reruns of Family Matters, if you think the height of drama was NYPD Blue and 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 television never got better than that, then that's fine. There's 300 episodes of Star Trek for you to watch. However, those old Star Treks, they stand as a testament to their era. Like, TNG is great for the 80s and the 90s. It's fantastic. It's forward-moving. It's got, uh, you know, people are talking about psychology for once, whereas the original Star Trek was like, three guys drinking and punching, you know, they never talked about their feelings or PTSD or having to work through their emotions. Now this Star Trek is asking you to consider something a little bit more intense. Okay. It is a testament of now. So if you can't deal with Michael's tears, then uh, boo hoo. I can't deal with yours. Kapla. Are you done? Not really, but I feel like I should stop. I have more to say on this subject and I may come back to it and visit later because that was, that was only, only scratched the surface, you know, this, this, it's, uh, I understand that people want Star Trek to be like Star Trek was, but it can't be like Star Trek was because that would be uninteresting. That Those Star Treks exist. They're there. You can enjoy them. This one is different. This one, you know, people go through, to, through intense stuff. People die and come back. There's people, you know, we're, we're dealing with, with crazy times. Yes. We demand more of our, of our entertainment than just like take us to a planet uh, Kirk kisses the girl, uh, you kill the big bad guy, and then you get back on the ship and you sail off into the sunset, you know? Yep. It's time to climb off your Klingon soapbox, my friend. <sighs> okay. Well, those of you who disagree with me are without honor, but you're allowed to disagree <laughs> with me nonetheless. 
You have no honor. We can raise a glass of blood wine together, and we will eat grach until the morning light. Okay, well, so I think it's next time on on Set Phasers. Let's do this. Next time on Set Phasers. All right, next time we'll be talking about episode seven of season three. It has a very strange name. It is called Unification Three. Some more weird names. <laughs> is, it, is it a planet, Uni- Unification Three? Yeah, I mean, maybe it is. Maybe they're like unifying planets. Uh, in the preview, we saw... Well, there was a flashback of Michael and Spock. I don't know what that's about, but it's mostly Michael voiceover and she seems to be imploring people to be part of something bigger and greater than they are themselves and that that is what Starfleet is. So I'm wondering if they're trying to bring someone into the mm. fold, you know? We'll see. It'll be, I think it's going to be an interesting episode. Interesting. In Unification 3, we still haven't gotten the, That Hope Is You Part 2, so whatever. I'm fine. Just keep throwing numbers on the ends of these titles. <laughs> I'll be, I'm there for it. Okay, well, if you enjoyed the program, we want to thank you for joining us. And you can catch us every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Facebook Live. Or you can catch us edited down to Eloquence by Steph Manns every Monday, wherever podcasts come from. And if you like the podcast, yes, please rate and subscribe us. Yes. Subscribe Ooh. people to us. And tell people about us. We're doing, we're doing, oh, yeah. we're about to hit our first thousand downloads. I'm rather excited about I that. I can't believe people have listened to us for a thousand times. Wait, Neither. excuse me, for a thousand times. And it wasn't even my dad or yours. And it, it wasn't our dad's. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's oh, true. True, very, so true. They wouldn't listen to this. Um, Not a thousand times. <laughs> once. I got once, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, even though he's a Trekkie. Anyway, uh, we are on yeah. Facebook and Instagram at Set Phasers Podcast. Feel free to follow us and join in the conversation of all things Trek. Yes, and if you want to support us in our continuing mission to discover what Discovery has in store for us, we'd only be delighted. You can patronize us. We can take it by going to patreon.com slash setphasers. And of course, a big shout out to Kyle Jaster, one of our uh, senior, is he our, our lieutenant? Lieutenant, lieutenant Commander. Kyle, uh, yes, Lieutenant yes, Commander. You yes. have the con. You have the con, Kyle. Well, until next time, fellow Trek nerds, uh, I'm Steph Manns. And I am Aki Burmese, and this has been Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Computer. End program. Oh, I forgot to hit the button. That's great.